Hi, welcome to the Suitcase Club podcast where we are committed to your art. I am your host, Stefan van der Walt. At TSC, we empower professional South African performing artists who are committed to their art and want to improve their craft. As artists, we always strive for perfection and with limited access to constant training, we are hindered to grow and to enrich our industry. Join us as we have insightful conversations with successful professionals and industry leaders that will inspire you to commit to your art to connect with your community and uplift yourself and those around you, to build the habit of constant improvement and to become the best skilled artist you want to be. My guest today is a dear friend of mine whom I've had the privilege of working with early in my career. He is a very well-established actor in our South African industry and has entertained audiences on various stages as well as the big screen and television. He is well known for his current role as Timothy Jones in the ever-popular Scandal on ETV and has many local and international credits under his name including Transformers, The Last Night and the recent Bloodshot starring Vin Diesel, Homeland Season 4 and locally in The Story van Rachelke de Beer, Feil Wasgut, Thijs en Tricks, Getrouw with rugby, Arvsondes, and many more. Some of his theatre credits include Fame, The Musical, Jersey Boys, Grease, Sweeney Todd, Somewhere on the Border, and Riesa de Vets Miss. Well, without any further ado, here is my thought-provoking conversation with this versatile and successful film, TV, and theatre actor, Charlie Bougenot, discussing the importance of upskilling and how easy accessible it actually is. So we're sitting with Charlie Bougenot today and we're very, very excited to have him on board for our first official episode. Welcome, Charlie. How's it? Hey, everybody. It's so nice to be here, especially for the first one. Uh, get things kicked off, get discussions started. It's very nice to be here. It's very uh, lacquer idea that you guys have put together and thanks for inviting me on. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much for being here. Well, Charlie, t- uh, our conversation today is mainly about upskilling ourselves within the performing arts industry. It's something something that has constantly been a question throughout my career in the industry that has popped up. Um, and I do believe that it's something that you've been able to rather master. Ah, <laughs> thanks. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, you know, uh, we were talking just before we started recording about when you're younger in your career, you're kind of a lot more diverse in your, in your scope of what you're going to tackle. Um, you know, just because you want to get some cred, you want to get some experience, you want to get some, uh, you know, some some professional endeavors behind you so that you, mm-hmm. you know, have a better idea of what you're doing. And also diversification just makes you so much better in the long run at, at when you do specialize in something. Um, also, life throws you a lot of kind of curveballs. So um, myself, I really kind of gravitated toward, towards acting. Mm. Um, I've always liked performing. I've always wanted to act, um, but it was also sort of a thing. I, I kind of born into a performing arts family. My uh, father's a professional musician, classical musician, plays uh, violin and viola, oh, and trumpet and stuff. Um, yeah, my grandfather was also a very, very established um, professional musician. My grandmother was a ballet dancer in Europe, and blah and blah. So, for me, we grew up in it. You always kind of performed. You know, it was how it was. I remember uh, we even used to have concert days. At, at, um, at our house with all my dad's pupils at the time, you know, everyone would get together on a big family day and a bride or what, what. Um, so it's always like a thing, you know, so I've always been part of like choirs and the school musicals and plays and stuff and had a go at I Steadfords and stuff. You also did the amateur dramatics. Yeah. So I uh, born in Johannesburg 
ended up finishing school in Centurion. Uh, so I was close to Irene Dramatic Society and uh, did some very cool things. You know, got exposed to Shakespeare and Terry Pratchett and a lot of Gilbert and Sullivan. Yeah, I wanted to ask about the Gilbert and Sullivan. Yeah, I did a, did, did a lot of them. <laughs> I think about four or five of them. Yeah, because I, I did some amateur ones at Whips as well, uh, which is a school that, that has a company called uh, Oily Charts. Um, and they do one every year and I did a couple for them as well. But uh, yeah, starting off, as, uh, I, I did all this stuff, you know, just because mm, I loved mm, doing it. In matric, I was doing a musical and the director said, hey, uh, you should really think about getting a, a bursary for drama. And it was like a light bulb went on. Like, oh, oh my gosh, this can be a career. Yeah. Actually, I never thought about it like that. It was just a thing that I did. And I was like, wow, yes, I do love this. Why don't I monetize this and make it um, a career, something worth following? Because mm. I had this light go on in, in matric <laughs> where I'm like, oh, I better, I better spend some time thinking about what I want to do after school because whatever I do, I'm going to be doing it for possibly decades, you know? So I was like, huh. I think all of us can tell that story. <laughs> exactly. So it's like, what do I actually want to do? And also getting past stigmas and, and uh, family pressures and that kind of thing can be very difficult, you know, especially for uh, families where they want to be a doctor, for example. And you're like, no, I want to dance. <laughs> tell me, um, <laughs> while you were doing your, your that amateur dramatics in the school plays, were you, were you, did you have any other training at the time, like with drama school, whatever, or did you mainly just do the school plays and the amateur dramatics and kind of like got your skill from there? Uh, yes and no. Um, I started taking violin lessons uh, from the age of three. Um, I didn't always continue with violin. Violin just never, even though it's my like family instrument, it never really resonated with me. Uh, uh, instrument that resonated a lot more was saxophone mm, that I picked mm. up at the beginning of my career. Um, so, but there, but there was, there was that, that training obviously, uh, you know, and then there was uh, some dance training um, at the end of school and stuff, you know, you started doing musicals mm. with, with proper choreographers. So then you'll do their classes yeah. or um, in varsity, we had Vili Fenta who was, yeah. who choreographs all the Miss South Africa's and everything yeah, at that and time. Spell and I, that. So I, I got in, I got, yeah. So I got into contact with him and he was like, yeah, sure. You, the special ed kid want to come dance. Fine. <laughs> So, you know, I got my, my knee pads, as you know, for these classes, you know. were floor orientated. <laughs> and I was always at the back. And for months, I was behind until mm. I wasn't. So how was, how was you know that process I mean? for you? I mean, it's something, it's something that I think every single person go through in these like creative blocks, if I can put it like that, that moment when you walk into something, yeah. you're like, okay, cool, I'm going to try something new, but you walk into the room and you can't help but be in your mind and be like, oh my gosh, I shouldn't be there. I'm looking like a fool. I can't do this. How was that process for you? Like working through that time and being able to keep on pushing and keep on working? Was it, was it a goal that you had to, that you were focused on or what was your process with regards to that? So <laughs> in learning anything, there's that eureka moment where it just clicks mm. anything, you know, and I've, I've been always like kind of a hungry person in, in terms of, I see something, I'm like, Oh, that looks amazing. Like I remember my decision learning to ride a bicycle. It was after school and after nursery school, I was at a day mother and I saw like a grade one girl ride past and I was like, Oh, she's flying. She's moving <laughs> and her feet aren't even touching the ground. I must learn the skill. So I found a bike and I propped it up next to a wall and over time, I kind of learned to hobble along until I could ride a bicycle. And there's that eureka moment where you struggle, 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 and it's impossible until, holy crap, I'm doing it. I've, and I found that so many times, you know, you do it slow, you get it yeah. in, you train the brain, 
and so it happens. And I guess it's just it's just staying patient. Yeah, well, this is the thing. When it becomes a life work, mm. you, know, the, you know, we're not working for a salary or a boss. We're kind of we're doing our thing, and and our story is the the overarching story of everything. I've got the tattoo on my leg that says, "An artist's true work of art is his life," and that's mm. just a reminder of like you know, it's, it's never over because it's the pursuit. It's the pursuit that is not you know. It's about leaving a life behind leaving a life worth living when mm. you look back and you're like ha, holy crap i did that yeah you know, that's really rad so uh, wanting to be an actor i wanted to get more into uh, theater and mm. and television and films and that kind of thing um although i got in with musicals and musicals are a hell of a lot of fun they're really mm. incredible uh, anyone who's done one <laughs> i can vouch for that how much fun <laughs> musicals are um but also trying to make a, a, a living financially is also really really tough on musicals alone. Mm. That's also diversification. <laughs> um, so I, my opportunity came around with musicals. I got into a musical and I even had to fake into getting into my first musical. Um, you know, by that stage, I'd had some dance training. I've had uh, years of singing training in choirs and stuff and had started to discover my voice like more as a soloist because you kind of have to realize what are your strengths? What are you good at? Mm. What, what you're more a natural at and what is a lot of work and then working at the things that you're weaker at. Um, but they're looking for an actor, singer, dancer who could play saxophone. And I was like, okay, cool. I can act, sing and dance. This was with Fame, right? That's right. That was my first musical. That was my debut. Mm. Uh, so Fame was the first one. She bought it in and that kind of started the, the state theater back up again. It was one of the first big shows back at the state theater and the mm. opera. And she had opened it up in the newspapers. That's how I heard about it because I didn't officially have an agent at that stage. Oh, wow. uh, so it was actually all very, very lucky because generally without an agent, you it's sort of tough mm. to, to hear about work and to get in. But Hazel was also wanting to open it up and discover new talent. So in that, my challenge was they wanted a singer, actor, dancer who could play saxophone. And I was like, okay, I can play a little bit of recorder from my grade one Mrs. Levine's class. <laughs> um, so I said, okay. So they're like, um, first it was a no. I just said like, no, okay, look, we're actually looking for someone who, can, who knows what they're doing. Mm. Um, and then two weeks later, Jill Summers gave me a call and she said, look, we're going to give you a chance. Go hire a saxophone. We're going to send you for your first lesson, the audition. So I oh, okay. Wow. Magically, um, I got a tone. I, I just got a tone, saxophone just happened. Um, the teacher showed me the C major scale, uh, played it through, played a couple simple things like Auntie Slim and Jingle Bells and that mm -hmm. sort of thing. You know. And then they said, cool, all right, here's grade five music. You've got about two and a half weeks. Sorry, what? <laughs> That's yeah. insane. Yeah, so I, I had about two and a half weeks to learn grade five music and it was tough going. My teacher said, don't play more than about 45 minutes a day. I realized mm -hmm. that that's just not going to fly. I was doing about five yeah. hours a day. So there I was, they gave me grade five music and I had about two and a half weeks to learn on an alto saxophone uh, instrument that I'd started 10 minutes prior. Um, and it was still cut and go. You know, my teacher was saying to me, don't play more than about 45 minutes a day because you can blow your lips like, you yeah, know, the yeah, muscular, the musculature. Um, but I was like, look, it's not going to fly. Uh, and many of you guys know this, uh, you know, we push ourselves a little bit to the limit. And that I, could, mm. I think what makes us special as well is that we, we do, we learn extraordinary things and go through things just to get the job done. You know, it's like, a, it's a personal race for us. Or it's a personal, I need to do this. Yeah. And still with doing like five hours a day, um, the last Saturday rehearsal before we started getting into our tech, um, the director came to me and said, look, you're not waxed by Monday. 
if you can't play it by Monday, we're going to have to put it on a track. And I was like, oh, no, this can't happen. You can't go through this whole story and let it be a bloody track. Yeah. So that weekend was like huge, you know, just having to get it, but managed to get it down, you know? Amazing. You just put in the work. You just Mm. hammer it out, hammer it out until you have it. I can still play that piece off by heart. I can pick up a sax sax right now. I can still play that piece. It's so hammered in, you know? So that's the thing. You just got to learn. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So... I mean, you've had quite an extensive career um, up to date, ranging from from TV to film to international film to theatre to international tours. Um, of your early days, having done amateur dramatic and went to go study drama at Tux and all those things, um, what skills did you learn or what, what lessons of those times are still very important for you today like still carries a lot of weight that you still feel like if you didn't know that you wouldn't have been able to do x y and z today oh yeah so i think the overarching thing about about the early andram days and stuff is i did it because i loved it Mm. you know you you weren't making money you were losing money you were paying money you wanted to be in a show Mm. you know there was an opportunity Mm. for you to be in a show there was a group of people getting together writing a piece to perform it to you know the community to their friends and family or whoever came you know yeah um, that's why i decided to get into profession because because there was so much joy you know it really feels as if you're happening when you're performing you know it's like mm. yeah this is just yeah it's magic you know? and yeah, it's, i think that's it's what drives us you something know? That, that all of us yeah, can you get very to. addicted to it very, if you're used to performing you know what I mean? I mean, people also, they're like, oh, I'm tired. You know, this is the fifth show this week or whatever. But it's like, yeah. but you chose to be here. And how many people would kill to be here? Absolutely. And that's just the, 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 the you know, but it's, it's like, holy crap. Do you know how many people would do it for free? That was the amazing thing about getting my first gig. I was like, you're paying me how much? What? <laughs> I would have yep. paid to be in this show. Absolutely. You know, I would have like, you know, this was like, like a school tour kind of thing. You're like, it costs you this much and you need to bring your sleeping bag. Mm. I'd be like, ah, oh, hell, I'm in. Yeah, but, absolutely. Um, actually getting paid for it. And then you start going like, okay, cool. And this is where the upskilling happens. You realize, you start realizing how little a fish you are in how big a pond. Yeah. And you're going like, okay, cool. So I want to duke with the big boys, but I can't mm. be, you know, a guppy. Uh, expecting to to be holding my own against people that I look up to. Yeah. So what do you do to get onto the same level? And how do you go about it? And what can they do? What do they do that amazes you? You're like, wow, it's so incredible. He reads the page once and he knows it. You know, stuff like that. It doesn't come for nothing. It's, it's through arduous, arduous practice. Yeah, that is such an important thing actually to mention because all of us think, oh, but we, in order for us to go upskill, you have to go to a class. You have to go do singing lessons. You have to spend money in order to upskill. But at the same time, if you're just in the 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 what do we call it? the world, the rehearsal room, and, and if you just watch other people, attentively mm-hmm. and learn from what they Absolutely. do and how they do and try it out yourself. I think that's something I know for me personally, it's something yeah. that, that I, I sometimes feel like I'm scared to try something. I can see it. I can see how it works, oh, yeah, but then yeah. I'm like, I'm scared to try it. Why? I have no idea. Yeah. But that's also something that, <laughs> that I guess all of us need to work through and try to get past. It's like, stop worrying about fear. We are luckily, very lucky to be in an industry um, and in a, in a world where there is something like a safe room. 
Um, and we need to acknowledge that more, especially in rehearsal periods and, and when you get the chance to learn. Be in your safe room and allow yourself to to like throw yeah. yourself against the wall and see what happens and then learn from whatever happens. Yeah. You know? As an actor, most of us, you know, you'll be working for decades yeah. behind the scenes at your little no. your, your little world. Absolutely. You know, absolutely. and all the things that you can do in it and no one will ever know. And you might not even be able to use it. But it's amazing that everything has an effect. The more you know, mm, mm, the more you mm, know. Absolutely. Because you know? it's all, you, you can dig away at acting your forever, you know? Yeah. Like research is so important. Mm. And that could be an amazing tool that you work on is how to, how to be Sherlock Holmes, how to dig it out of the script, absolutely. how to be like, okay, how to find out the economic, religious, social standing, you know, and thereby knowing what is your your reality and the thing your is style, your medium, your genre. how do you approach this work absolutely all that information is so freely available because of the internet because of our access and at the moment i mean look at where we are right mm -hmm. now we have so much time pardon me but i think it's also to to you need to have an open mind you need to allow yourself to go delve into a, a different religion go delve into as you say the different socio-economic situations of the different countries and the different cultures yeah. um and i think something that's stuff, very important travel, there is read. to allow yourself and i don't want to i want to use the word force but this whole thing of judging a character um can without you even realizing immediately prevent you from being able to achieve a certain goal for a role or for a performance <laughs> and it's yeah. the same with that's very important with with mm. your characters is is to to never come from a place of judgment you yeah. know it's to look at acting differently you know we're very empathetic for the reason that we try to put ourselves into the shoes of the character that we're playing you know even like take hitler he thought he was doing something great absolutely you know so if you're playing in hitler you need to get into the space you know the mental space where you're like no, i'm trying to save the world you know yeah he wasn't trying to he wasn't thinking of himself as a gross dictator he was thinking this is i'm trying to save humanity or whatever it is mm. you know so that that's that coming from that point of view yeah. yeah and and the more you learn the more you read the more you try to give context to what you're doing yeah the better online you have how is that uh, i can i'm going to use the word a skill that you were able to to work on and to hone like um again having acted from a young age and having been able to go through a lot of training well in a sense um how was it that journey for you to learn how to not judge a character to find the balance between you and your character well simply because i am not me I am now that person, mm. you know? So what would that person do? Two wonderful things that I like to use, because I like to take from kind of like all techniques in the sense that whenever I approach a piece of work, I like to do whatever I think is necessary for that piece or whatever things I need mm. um, from, from whatever skill set I have, I like to apply. Uh, two of the things that I like to use because they're just so great in analysis is Stanislavski's given circumstances mm -hmm. and the magic if those those two things are really mm. really really cool because it makes you empathetic absolutely um, given circumstances okay so what's happening you know what is given what is in the script what do you have and then um to go like okay cool and if i was this person in this situation in this whatever uh, how would I be? How would I react? Mm. Especially to find out kind of where this character is coming from, you know, like maybe I would react in a certain way, but this character from his kind of 
incoming and experience would react in a certain way. Also, again, um, you know, investigating and researching mm. that script and seeing where do you need to go, you know, and yeah. where have you gone before? So it's also very important to know, like, your relationship to every single person is different. And so it is mm. in, in a script. So, you know, when you're looking, you'll be like, okay, so what is the relationships between everyone? How do they feel about everyone? Yeah. You know, and you do all this work, you know, to get your, your mind going and thinking whatever, so that by the time you get to the actual shooting, you let it all go and you go on instinct of what yeah, is there. Absolutely, because you've done the work. It's, it's like muscle memory. Yeah, because you've done the work. You've done, you've been thinking, you've been exploring, you've been, you know, and there's some people who just pick it up and they go and they're whatever and they can mm. get through it. You know, for me, I think the pursuit is noble. I like to, I like to get into a character where, where I, because also I find the more you look into it, the more you discover and you go, ah, oh, it's not actually this, what people are thinking it's, it's actually, if you look at this poor guy from this situation and what you've got here, ah, that's mm. what he's doing. Um, um, that sounds very random. I'll try and explain in terms of two characters. The one is, um, Bombardier Kotze from Somewhere on the Border, the mm. market theater a few years ago. Yeah. Now that was a, a bastard. He yeah. was a real bastard. But in investigating the, the script, he was a victim, you know, and he was a victim of his circumstances. Mm. And so he was, you know, all those things that come from that, he was frustrated and lashing out and et cetera. And so the victim also became the perpetrator, which is, mm. which is quite a powerful thing, which is what I loved about that play so much is that, it's not so one-sided. You know, yeah. People are, are victims of their circumstances, et cetera, et cetera. And for me, that was like, okay, cool. I understood him. I understood where he was coming from. Mm. Now, a, a character that I had less of an easy time getting into his head um, was last year's play, uh, Brutal Legacy um, at Theatre on the Square, which mm. is Tracy Going's story. And that guy, again, I play two bastards in the story. I play, I play the boyfriend who beats her and I play uh, his lawyer. Um, and how, how different they were. Yeah. But the boyfriend, you know, he, he, he beat her. And there was no good reason. You know, there was no way to, you know, justify mm. this. And so it, it was very taxing uh, psychologically. Like I lost in, 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 three K, in three weeks, I lost about seven kilograms. Yo. Just because the only way that I could do this is I had to become an asshole. Yeah. I had to be a bastard. I had to go out and just be a... A, a bad guy you know yeah uh, also having watched the show um it also never came across that he like as you say there was no reason for him to be mean but he like it also came across that he didn't believe himself that what he was doing was wrong for him that was the norm absolutely and that's the thing you know he was totally justified you know it was like no no you did that and so you deserved it you know for me yeah. that's going like no dude that that's that's you've gone you've gone across the line yeah. but for the character i had to i had to justify from his psychological absolutely yeah experiences and that kind of thing which is also comes from the script and his relationship mm. with uh, his parents etc cetera, etc cetera, and how that comes through of like no no you absolutely deserved mm. what you got mm, 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 and don't now you're crying or whatever and you're trying to get me arrested and i'm going to punish you even more because what what you got was fair for the first time yeah yeah and that's Mind-blowing. Um, I just want to bring it back a little bit to to focusing on, on skill set. You've had the amazing transition going from theatre um, over to, to film and TV. I know you jump around between them quite a lot at the moment. But what? how was that, that transition like for you? Mm -hmm. And what skill set have, have you found is, is necessary? And what is the difference in the skill sets between theatre, film and TV? Mm -hmm. Okay. 
the first and most important thing I think I can say is always be yourself, you know, and realize what, where you are and what you're doing and what category you fall into and that kind of thing, because everyone's career is going to run differently, mm. you know, mm-hmm. and don't judge yourself compared to other people or, you know, you've got to kind of find the Zen because it never ends. Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it, the feelings never go away. That whole thing of like, I'm looking for work or I'm this or I'm that or the competition or it's not fair or it's whatever. Don't get caught in the bitter trap of where you start going, ah, why, why did they get cast and not me when I was so much better or whatever the case is, you know, you got to mm. be like, let go, let go and get back to the board with drawing board. That's very important. And be like, okay, cool. Get back to the drawing board. What worked, what didn't, or maybe it just wasn't a character that was ready for you or the mm. politics was horrible. Politics happen, you know, you can't get past it. Yeah. And either something's going to change you or, you know, you've, you've got a way work a way around it or whatever. Mm. Like I left musicals at one stage because it was going in a certain direction that I was like, this isn't, I'm not going to be getting where I want to get. I'm not kind of mm. getting the jobs that I want to get. And so I've really got to start making a move. Mm. Um, and I, and I left musicals for a very long time. I left them for like about five years oh. um, until I eventually did leave musicals. Um, and not because I don't love doing musicals. I was just not going where I wanted mm, to mm. in musicals. And so I was like, okay. That's an important thing. It's Yeah. You know, realize also what you want to do. A lot of people say, yeah. well, why don't I do stand-up comedy? And I'm like, well, because I don't want to be a stand-up comedian. Because that, again, is another incredible skill I mean, set. you'd be great at it. Yeah, I, I think, can I, I think I'd have a job. I think it'll be a laugh. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but I don't want to actively follow that path. Because then you've got to commit to it, you know, which is another like, hellish amount of work so you've got to be you've got to you know you've got to choose the horse that you ride you know or just know i always talk about following your light following your light in the distance you know Mm. the road to your light is not always straight you're going to be doing a lot of meandering and a lot of kind of going off off course but as long as you kind of know where you want to go um i know a lot of performers who have discovered later in life oh i don't actually like performing i'm going to produce and they love that absolutely um i think I'm i'm an actor I, I want to perform. This is what mm. I want to do. I might direct and produce also one day. You know, I've done some stuff. I've dabbled, but yeah. I love performing. And that's what it's like, like what keeps me up at night and wakes me up. Absolutely. The day. Um, so what I was talking about is like, be yourself. And the reason why I say that is I went bald at 21, which is a really shitty career move. That's a very funny oh, thing. That you mentioned really that I was actually move. thinking it the other day. I was like, when did Charlie go bold? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, I was 21. Um, and I really pissed off a director at the time. I was doing hooked on books yes. with Shelley Tobin. She was the owner at the time. And our, our contract was a really rough one. We had a seven month contract. It was one of the monster Goodness ones me. where we did over 250 shows in those seven months wow. it was whew. and in the two-hour program the junior and the senior program i played 27 different characters well there's Each your upskilling right there voice and a different body brilliant you know what i mean that's also the thing is you will you will gain skills from the experience of stuff that you do mm. so I, I i was young at the time you know so i was like yeah i need to take an educational theater thing just to pay my rent yeah. and i was waitering at night as well so i was like doing oh, both God. it was really freaking tough times but those times have really come through now. You know, there are mm. times in your life where you're going to work yourself stupid for very little reward, but then no later in life when you work, it seems less for more reward that you actually appreciate it. Yeah. You know, that you go like, yeah, the value of this. And you're not one of those guys who's 
you know, uh, finished his second year at uh, Oakfields, um, got his first soap gig and is demanding seven grand a call. Because you're going yeah. like, but... He needs to still climb the ladder dude. and earn keep, you know? <laughs> yeah, there's, there is that, you know? There mm. is like a very, a very unspoken hierarchy thing. And, uh, and it isn't, it isn't, you know? Like mm. people who've been around long enough know that it's all about the work. But there is that thing of, you know... Yeah. Yeah, mind, yeah, mind mind yourself. Have have some respect for the people who've been around because it doesn't come easy. And also, know, especially I like mean, if you respect yeah. them and learn from them. Exactly. Yeah. You know, this is the thing. I I learn the most from the people who have gone before. You know, mm. and I like I drink in their careers and the stuff and that they're doing because I'm like, yo, look at them. They've got careers that are like 30, 40 years long, and they're killing it. Mm. You know how? Why? How do they make it consistent? And you, you know, you're you're drinking in all this information of trying trying for longevity. Because yeah. that's the thing. We all want to kind of be working, creating, being in that beautiful flow space, you know. Yeah. And it comes it comes more and more, you know, it goes, it comes and it goes, you know, and there's sometimes where it feels like you're just waiting for the phone to ring. But that's the trick. Never just be around waiting for the phone to ring. Mm. You know, you've got your hustle. You're working on it. And trust me, if you're working at something, doors are going to open. You know, yeah. if you're like when, when I came into tap, cause I had to learn it from Millie, I went to Megan Rosenberg and she was incredible. It let me into tech yeah. and I was doing the dance, the musical theater, first year, second year, third year for, for a whole year just to get, yeah, you were there. So <laughs> it was three months that I actually just needed to get into Millie and Megan was like, you're great. Stay. So I was like, okay. And stayed for mm. five years. Brilliant. And over Absolutely those five brilliant. years, you know, I, I, I had different opportunities come up to me, you know, because I was like, all right, you're in the space now, you know, and because you're hustling, you're doing this thing over here, opportunities will come out of that. And mm. even maybe years later, you know, there's going to be a time that someone calls you up and they'll be like, hey, man, I worked with you about 10 years ago or I did the shoot with you and yeah, Absolutely. we just want this quality or we really have been wanting to work with you, but we've been waiting for the right project. Mm. So know that everything comes around down the line. You know, long game. This is the longest game. Yeah. You know, uh, myself and my agent, Althea, talk about this by keeping your nose clean because you're going to be here for a long time. Yeah. And so is everyone else. So just, you know, work ethic. You know? Um, but tell me, you were talking about, about learning a learning tap for, for Millie and you were saying that you went to, went to, uh, to Megan Rosenberg. Something that I find, I know I'm very guilty of it, um, where I go, oh, I would love to go and learn this, but I don't know where to go. Oh, there's no way to go in South Africa, blah, blah, blah. How do you go about finding people and approaching them to be like, hey, I know I'm not one of your students, but I would love to just come learn from you for three months. Yeah, well, start conversations, you know, start start conversations. Some things are, some things are really lucky, you know, and it came from conversations. Um, like, like with Megan, you know, I, I was speaking to some tech guys at the time and Megan had taught them. So they mm. said, well, Megan's brilliant. Go oh, talk to is. Megan. So I went to Megan and said, look, this is the story. And she was like, cool. Stand at the back of my classes. Don't interrupt, mm. you know, don't, don't muck around or whatever and, and learn. And there was, again, a long time, especially in the beginning with the third year's classes where I was just staring at people's feet <laughs> because mine couldn't do it, Yeah, you know, but through practice, you know, and then I go back, you know, you go from the, thir from the third year class to the first year class and you go like, oh, okay, this mm. is now I understand. Oh, I can see where it's coming, you know, and then it all gets put together. So conversations um, and, and, and find stuff. You know, and if it comes to a point where you need to pay for something, it happens. Mm. Pay for it, especially Absolutely, if it's going to yeah. come down the road. It's going to be a good thing. Like one of the things I wanted to get into, you're talking about skills or musical theater, theater, TV, film, etc. Mm. is know what you're in for. 
you know, and how to work it. Like, for example, you guys that are young, get onto film sets yeah. in any kind of way, intern, mm. you know, do a shoot for free. You know, it's two weeks yeah. or a month or, or whatever. It, it's horrible in the beginning, but if you're between the ages of 20 and 25, suck it up. Because the amount that you're going to learn, especially if you're coming from like a theater or musical background and you're trying to get into film, it's like, it's a very different world. It is. And especially in terms of performance demands, you know, like it's very different. Different. You know, you, you'll find guys that are shooting for the first time. At the end of the day, they are psychologically exhausted, mm. like mm. mentally tired. They get home and they're like, my head hurts. I just, I feel heavy. I'm done. And I'm like, yeah, now we do that six days a week for eight weeks. Yeah. You know, but then someone coming from film going to theater, be like, how does your voice last? Yeah. It's like, well, it's all techniques, placement. What are mm. you doing? Medium, genre, style. Uh -huh. yeah. You know, so, uh, so again, one of the things I'm talking about, like um, upskilling in film, for example. Yeah. Uh, one of the things like get some stunt training because mm. stunts are everywhere. Very... Stunts are in everything, you know, in everything. Um, and, and how, how to do it safely and how to do it so that it mm. looks violent, but it is something that you can repeat 30 times, you know, one yeah. after each other because you guys are knowing what you're doing. Also, it engenders trust with everyone else, mm. you know, and you can see it if someone isn't trained, you know, they want to do something you're like, oh, no, you're monkeying around and you're going to get everyone hurt, <laughs> yeah. which also hurts your, your kind of profile because no mm. one will tell you on a film set. This is something you must know the last person who will find out that they'll never work for that company again is the person who will never work for that company yeah, again. Absolutely. Because people are just, they're like, yep, they're nice. They smile. They do their work. You know, that's another trick. Don't do anyone else's job. If it ain't your Ooh, job, don't do it. Yeah. Unless it's like an indie, you know, but if there's a chair in the wrong place, there's a department yeah. that'll come and do that. Yeah. I'll never you know? forget. So know what you're in for, you know, buy some, buy some books and film and et cetera. If you yeah. can't afford them, go to a hospice. You know, or put uh, an amount aside per month, like 300 bucks or whatever, and be like, mm. I'm going to buy this book or whatever. You know, we yeah. eat enough takeaways. You know, like, eat, eat a little less takeaways, get a book, watch YouTube. It's free. It's your friend. You know, there's so much stuff. And you'll learn how to filter between the good stuff and the crap stuff. The more you know, the more you'll know, ah, oh, mm. these guys are full of shit. You know, so that's the thing, being hungry for wanting to learn. Absolutely. And what, what I'm absolutely loving yeah. what you're saying is the fact that you, you are reminding us of how easy accessible upskilling is as you say like it's yeah it's, take it a book and be. read it do the research go watch yeah. youtube go watch a movie which we yeah. all love to do hashtag netflix yeah, um yeah, exactly. but, but don't it just doesn't watch have to it be... for the entertainment value watch it to learn yeah i think i think you'll find this as well the more you act the more you or well, the more you perform you you can't do it anything anymore mm. without having some sort of interpretation of what's going on. Okay. And that's cool. So also if you watch something, just make yourself aware of um, like, okay, so what style are they in? What are mm. they doing? What's good about it? What, did, what gave it its edge? You know, what made it amazing? And again, you know, where did you go? Yeah, what like, what oh. is the reason for using this frame and this shot yeah. for this specific moment? Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. So again, back to what I was saying, like stunt training, it's used in everything. You know, it's used in everything up to even intimate scenes, you know, because you'd have to know how to move you know, so again, what's, what's lacquer is dancing comes mm. into this as well, because you, you learn the choreography kind of other, because everything's choreographed, yeah. you know, so you learn how to work with it and you learn how to nap or how to fake it or how to inverted commas, take the hit mm. or whatever it is. So what goes along with that ways that you can upskill is 
get weapons training because mm. you never think about this, but if you ever play like an agent, a policeman, a soldier, a gangster, a ninja, a freaking, there are so many roles, mm. you know, where you will have to use guns. When you did, uh, you did, you were in Homeland season four, um, and I mean, you yes. were one of the soldiers and I can remember watching that and I was like, geez, man, there's so much that you actually need to think of when you use a gun. It's not just about taking a gun. It's about knowing <laughs> how, how to hold the gun. What is the correct way of holding the gun? Yes. What to expect of like, even, even if you are just practicing to ensure that your body knows how it will react when you pull the trigger, um, because with each gun, well, that yeah, will be different. Absolutely. All those kind of things that is in play. And I can remember I read, I don't ask me where it was, but I can remember I read where, where, um, the guy that does the the the, uh, the armory, he was saying that it's part of the it's part of the audition process. If you don't know, do not know how to use the gun that you need to use within the scene that you're going to shoot, they're going to be like, "Sorry, bye," because they will be someone yeah. that knows. Yes, and 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 this is very important. This is where it comes down to acting. Um, one of these things, I think, one of the most important things when it comes down to film and TV in in this day and age is believability. Mm. Now, if you're playing a SAS, you know, a Green Beret, a SWAT team member or whatever, other SWAT team members are going to be watching that. And you could be acting brilliantly, but if you look like a Muppet <laughs> with what you're actually doing because you don't know what mm. you're doing, then no one's watching the story. No one's listening mm. to what's actually happening. You know, they're all going, ah, oh, look at the Muppet with the R1. Yeah. You know, he doesn't know what he's doing. He's Absolutely. just dropped the mag or or whatever. So I, I'm just going to put it out there. There's this group in Pretoria. They're called Group 71. I mean, Group 73, sorry. They're run by ex-military uh, guys and ex-police uh, guys. And they do firearm training for film and television. Brilliant. You know, so you know the difference uh, in feeling between uh, an MP5 and mm. an R1 mm. and an Uzi. And, uh, and, you know, for example, if you're shooting like a 12 gauge with a slug in it, you'll know that you're not going to be holding that like a Barbie doll because that thing's going to kick you. Absolutely. You know, so also knowing, knowing what it's in, because remember when you're shooting blanks, blanks are very different to, to, to what it really is. Mm -hmm. And you've got to be as an actor filling in, you know, the blanks yeah. are trying to help you make it look as real as possible as if there's bullets coming out, but it's a different kind of approach. So, you know, that's where things just get really good. Yeah. You know, you'll be watching an actor. And if you're, for example, like, let's say uh, you're watching a movie about cycling and I'm quite an avid cyclist. Mm. And if I'm watching it and I see that he's, he's doing like proper race tactics, if his bike is really good, if I know his gear, if I see certain body languages and stuff, I'm going to be like, holy shit, this guy is really good. You know, I'm looking at this and I'm going like, wow, he's more cyclist mm. than actor or whatever which again buys me into the story makes me follow the journey of Absolutely. what's actually happening on the screen no i think it's very very important yeah. and as you say like even even uh, even though it, it's about upskilling and going to do the gun training and doing all the various upskills and, and and training in order to do what you need to do on set or on stage it's a skill by itself to be believable absolutely and that's the thing when it's when you're coming into like film and tv for example Yo, it's so accessible, but it's so difficult mm. for us to do this, is get some scripts and film oh, yourself, yes. you know, get a mate or, or someone and have you both review it. And the, the first thing is like, do I believe you? Mm. That is such a great watershed of like, do I believe you or do I see you acting? 
do I see what you're trying to do? Or am I going towards, yeah, 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 no, that's nice. You know, oh, you're hitting that moment. Oh, that was beautiful. I love that. Oh, I could see you thinking there, you know, because once you start getting, you know, really, uh, once you start tearing it apart, you know, you can really break it apart beat by beat and you can talk a lot about something if you start reviewing it, mm. you know, so it's that when you're reviewed by your peers and your mates, um, then that's quite powerful, you know, because you're first of all trying to get them to believe you, you know, because yeah. they, you hope if they're actors, they know what they're talking about. So they should be able to see through your bullshit. Mm. Absolutely. But it's also really difficult to get ourselves to film each other, you know, but it's a, it's a thing that they're available for us, but other ways that you can upskill, for example, is if you're shitty at cold reads, open a book right now and read it out loud Ooh, absolutely. as if you're reading it for a performance. That is something you can do anywhere, anytime, you know, you go yeah. to a bookshop, you take out a book, you open a page and you read it and you immediately trying to fall into the style, the genre, the whatever, mm. and try to have a character or try to have some kind of, interpretation of what it is mm. dead cold now that is such an important skill to have you know especially when you're doing stuff like radio etc you know yeah. um so that's a skill that you can work on you know another thing that you could do upskill in tv and film and that is you can get an advanced driver's license if you ever drive any vehicle in a film people are really kind of uh, if you just have a regular license or if you have no license at all you know because it becomes an accountability thing but if you have an advanced driver's then they're like okay cool this guy should know what it's about. Mm. So we'll be able to let him drive the car down the road. You know, um, the example I wanted to give, and I never thought I'd do it, but I did it. This film that I did a few years ago called Fail Vaskut. Mm. Um, I played a gangster. And at one stage I was driving down, uh, driving through a, a container yard, right? A dusty container yard. Yeah. And I was driving a Hummer at like full speed, firing a 357 out the window simultaneously that sounds like fun <laughs> yeah it's really fun it's really, it's really cool it's really cool but also then you gotta then you then you really start pulling back and you go like oh wow because you know one of the hardest things to ask an actor is okay cool so walk from that side of the room to the other and mm. film it and you'll be like well, how, how do actors forget to walk yeah. and you're like okay walk and say this line oh shit it falls apart cool walk and then while you're speaking go and pour this person a drink oh my gosh now you ramp it up to right. We want you to drive the Hummer down this thing. We need you to say these lines. When you hit this mark, we need you to be firing the gun in between the speech that you give sound a chance. And before you know it, you are put in a situation where you really hope that you've done some preparation for it. <laughs> and also on, on set in South Africa, we don't have this, you know, we don't have the, the, the kind of stuff where they'll be like, Oh yeah, no, go take the car for two or three days and a gun. And here's a trainer. It's, no, no, this is what we're doing tonight. There we go. Yeah. You know, like um, when I shot Rachel Ki de Beer, mm. they, they, they put me on horseback. And I remember my, my agent asking me like, can you ride? I'm like, yeah, I can. She's like, no, no, really. You're not going to go and learn this afternoon. Like, can you ride? I'm like, <laughs> no, I can from like varsity days. I can ride and et cetera, et cetera. Because there I had to ride um, with the rider on the back. And I was riding on a stallion and there were mares around and she was a little bit, he was a little bit mm. jumpy and that sort of thing. But while performing, so it's not like you're just, sometimes you're not going to mm. be just asked upon to act. Sometimes you're going to be doing stuff. Yeah. And you're going to have to know your way around it. Yeah. Uh, just to start wrapping things up, what would you suggest would be the one thing that we as artists can do today to start our growth to become better artists? Sure. There is a plethora. You can do anything. You could do anything, but do something. Um, you know, even in times like this, like this lockdown, mm. 
there, there, there are certain things that you can, that you can do, you know, for example, that cold reading thing, you know, filming yourself. Um, yeah. What do you want to do as well? Like, for example, you know, like a lot of you might've heard that there's a lot of money to be made in the voiceover industry. So you're like, okay, cool. So what do I need mm. to do to be successful in this industry or film or et cetera? And if you want to get on, onto this, you know, for when lockdown ends and that, um, especially for the for the young guys you know there comes a point where you don't want to crew you know crew have respect for them you know because it's an incredible amount Mm. of work but know how the machine works you know and that's what's incredible about doing some crew work is that you you learn how the machine works you know i wish i'd gotten the opportunity younger in my career to get onto crew i never got this opportunity i didn't know how to go about it Mm. i was stupid i didn't ask i didn't speak to film companies and so i never got to it but I got time on sets. So I did learn my, my set craft by being mm. on set. You make mistakes, you know. You, you learn that you don't just ask the guy next to you, hey, man, where can I get a bottle of water? Because the DOP doesn't care. It's not his job, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So you'll learn like etiquette. It's very mm. important to know the etiquette of where you are, you know. What is going to happen in a single cam shoot? What's going to happen in a, in a, in a three cam soap shoot? What am I to expect from that? Mm-hmm. You know, how am I expected to behave? How am I expected to, to prepare? You know, you also see it varies from, from place to place. There's some companies, by the time they get to the first day of rehearsal, they expect you to kind of be halfway down the road already. And mm-hmm. other people are like, no, I want to group read. You know, I want to read through <laughs> or whatever. So there's so many ways that you can, that you can work on it. You know, um, one of the ways that I find is keep fit. And it's not necessarily... Uh, uh, like an image thing. It's more a hearts and lungs thing. Mm. You know, if you're in theater, you'll know about show fitness and you'll know that you need a certain amount of fitness to keep speaking for long enough to have breath control and voice yeah. clarity and et cetera, et cetera. Um, so just know what you're in for. You know, like what I'm doing at the moment is I'm reading an incredible amount. And some of it is, uh, you know, like self-help stuff. I've got a great um, acting book that I just got by David Mamet and I'm reading from his point of view, um, which is very interesting. Mm. Um, but then I'm also reading a lot of graphic novels, you know, because they're a story. And what I've discovered recently in the last uh, couple of years with graphic novels is that it's a lot like reading screenplays. You know, mm. a lot of it happens in your head, but it's a wonderful medium. And that's just, you know, opened me up to different kinds of storytelling and that sort of thing. So there's there's a there's it's never ending you can upskill in so many different ways as long as you're doing it and but also remember to keep coming back to the rudiments of acting you know Mm. what do you need to learn what do you need to do like if you're an actor you'll know intrinsically that you'll be reading you'll be reading a shitload Mm. so if you don't like to read you're probably in the wrong game because that's what it's about you're going to be reading scripts and etc etc for those of you who are getting into soap there's always a point where you go, it never ends. It never ends. It's not like a play or a musical or a film where there's denouements and it ends. The story never ends. Yeah. You know, and there's always words to learn. And not to get caught in a trap, you know, not to ever get complacent, to keep working, to keep the pursuit noble. You know, like in soap, you sometimes get caught in the trap or you just kind of regurgitate. You know, you learn your lines, you get on. Instead of like, no, no do your job as an actor and come prepared to ball, you know, Mm. because it's so nice when you get on set and there's some good people there, you know, and you're all ready to throw down and make something special, you know, but if someone gets there and they don't know their lines, 
You know, it's your job to know your lines. Yeah. Like that's, that's a given. So practice that, you know, a lot of guys who have um, experience in soap pick up that skill because there's new lines to learn every single day. Mm, mm, so you mm, pick up that skill of learning lines really, really quickly. But I struggled with learning lines for a long time. So if you're good at it, good for you, lucky, yeah. But if you're not, you're going to have to learn. You have to get better at it. Yeah. So for example, if you know that you're not as good at learning lines then you might have to start sooner in the rehearsal process to get your words under your belt because there's only so much work you can do before the words are in you for you to level up. Yeah. performance wise when it comes to film as well one of the ways that you can upskill is accents mm. and when i say accents i mean your basic ones is like a generic american and your british um but work with accents and work at them really well like spend exhaustive amounts on getting it sounding as if you're from that place, mm. you know, mm -hmm. that'll help because all our international stuff, you're generally working with an accent, you know, I mean, I've done Russian, I've done Irish, I've done American, you know, I, I, I think it's, it was only in, <laughs> in Transformers where I use my own accent. They wanted us to be Namibian uh, scientists. Mm. So they said, your South African accent is fine. Uh, it's close enough to Namibian. So why that, but doing that and you, and also learning languages. So I'm English. Okay. Mm. But when I speak to Afrikaans people, they think I'm Afrikaans. Absolutely. It's so important. And that, I mean, you know, my mother's side of the family is Afrikaans and I grew up speaking it, but it was never first language. I was always very much a second language mm. speaker. Um, and I could feel it, you know, there gets a point in the conversation where it feels as like if my tongue gets fat and I don't have vocabulary <laughs> and I can't express myself, but you work through that mm. and you learn a lot for the language. And like, and I'm saying this to the English guys, it is one of the toughest things to be an English actor in South Africa because we have the United States that is producing English content. We have yeah. Britain, we have Australia, we have New Zealand, we have all these places that are making English content, content. And so South Africa is very much down the list. You know, mm. we, we don't produce that much English content. I mean, we had high rollers and that got canned. Um, <laughs> so you have to start getting out the box and start learning stuff, you know, learning it because also because you want to, because it's awesome. Um, in varsity, I took uh, Zulu. We had to do an elective, uh, a language elective. Um, and a lot of people were choosing English and I'm like, you know, I've got quite a command of the English language. I've read a lot yeah. of the books they're going to be reading. So I'm going to choose something out. And I went to Zulu. Um, I grew up kind of speaking Sutu cause I don't like people speaking behind my back. So mm -hmm. I, I, I learned from people and I was like, well, they can speak my language. Why can't I speak their language? So it's a bit of a, you know, cross-cultural respect thing as well. So I learned more Sutu and Tswana and that. And then in varsity, all those petty uh, courses clashed. So I took Zulu. Mm. But in the last couple of years, I've been working again at it. I've got a Zulu tutor to help me and et cetera, because um, I play Timothy on Scandal and my character speaks Sutu and Zulu. That's brilliant. Yeah. So that's also, that's like really intensified my learning. Um, and it's also, it's to make it, it's mm. not trying to fake it. You know, when I speak Zulu and Sutu, one thing that people get onto is they're like, no, no, dude, it sounds like you know what you're saying. And I'm like, yeah, because I do know what I'm saying. Because I'm not saying it as I'm trying to regurgitate scripts. I'm speaking. Mm. So I know what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I do speak some Zulu and some Sutu. And so that's a way that you can have skill. And for the English guys out there, learn how to speak Afrikaans because this is the place <laughs> where they make Afrikaans content. You know, I find 60 to 70% of the work that I do in a year and you need to sound like an Afrikaner if you're going to get Afrikaans work. And that's going to take years mm. of work. 
You know, don't think, oh, I'm going to spend two weeks on it and then I'm going to be great. No, you're going to spend years on it. You know, you're going to spend as long as you're working on it, you know, but it'll come back and it'll help. And before you know it, you know, you'll, 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 you'll have a new skill that doesn't seem like you're a magician or whatever. It's just like, yeah, but this is kind of what I do, you know? Um, Mm. So there, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Work on accents, work on languages. Yeah. I think that you really need a combination of talent, technique and drive, you know, because mm. if you don't have like a mixture of those three, you, you know, you could be really talented, but if you don't want to achieve anything, you know, you're going to sit on your ass all day. Yeah, um, if you're, if you've got a, a lot of talent, but you have no technique, you know, it's going to be, it's going to other people are going to find it more difficult to mm. work with you because you're a bit of a loose cannon in the sense of you're very talented, but you don't know how to focus it. Yeah. You don't know how to, apply it you know your kind of thing is like you're kind of more hit and miss you're kind of more lucky you know and some people mm. it works but uh, you know be able to direct and focus your energy yeah. really helps and it comes with experience you know you do learn and the more you do the more you um but everyone's thing is their own you know i, I mm. as i say i think the, the pursuit is noble you know there's this Absolutely, beautiful quote yeah. in um quentin tarantino's last film where they say you know you know that you can never do the scene perfectly, mm. but it's the pursuit that is noble. It's trying it every time that is like, and trying to do it better. Mm. There is so much to learn. This is why this is such a rich career choice mm. because you Absolutely. will always be busy. Absolutely. There's always something. There's always something, you know, always mm. some way that you can make yourself more Batman. That yeah. You can have something in your chest of, of, of tricks because you never know what you're going to do. And that's mm. why it's such a lifelong fulfillment. Um, if you're bored, do something else. You know, if it's not working, if you change what you're doing, because you should be involved, you should be interested. This mm. should be something that drives you, that, that excites you, that you could talk, you know, mm. the thing that you talk about when you get drunk should be this one of the things <laughs> no absolutely but thank you so so very much for being here with us charlie you've given us some really really amazing food for thought and just to to open your eyes and realize that there's a lot of different ways other than doing a physical class to upskill it's been an absolute pleasure having you here yeah dude thank you so much for inviting me well there you have it i have to admit i thoroughly enjoyed my conversation with charlie and what beautiful gems of information he shared to find out more about Charlie and what he's up to, please go to our website at thesuitcaseclub.co.za. Thank you so much for being committed to your art.